Oh, hi there. It's Lisa here. A new issue of Women's Health hit the stands on Monday featuring the incredible Anna Heinrich in Sea Folly. So we thought it would be a good time to revisit the chat we had with her earlier this year, where she talks about how putting yourself through immense physical challenges can help you break out of your comfort zone. I hope you enjoy it. When you do put in that time and and you dedicate yourself to something like training in that way, like you could completely change like you can be a totally different person like from walking with a 20 kilo backpack the first week from like running up and down hills for 40 minutes with a 20 kilo backpack which I thought at the time when I first started wasn't possible and then you're like no it is possible and a lot of these things are actually really possible but we write ourselves off from the beginning. From Women's Health Australia this is Uninterrupted a podcast where we share inspiring conversations to help you live a healthier, more empowered life. I'm Editor-in-Chief Lisa Gebilagen. For most of her life, Anna Robards has suffered from imposter syndrome. You wouldn't know it from looking at her life from the outside. Since she first entered the public sphere almost 10 years ago on the very first season of The Bachelor, where she met her now husband, Tim, with whom she shares a daughter, Elle, who is now almost 18 months old. You also wouldn't realise it either if you saw clips and photos of her running while on fire and generally beasting it through the challenges in this season of SAS. But the former criminal lawyer, who recently gave up her career to become a full-time entrepreneur and work on her supplement brand, Into Wellness, says imposter syndrome has plagued her for as long as she can remember. In this episode, she chats about how challenging herself physically and mentally helped her to finally overcome it. She also talks about the importance of sleep, exercise and nutrition in her wellness routine, and how surrounding herself by people who lift her up has led her to living a life beyond what she originally thought was possible. So you've been such a surprising quiet achiever on SAS, and I read that you only had four weeks to prepare for the show, which is insane. Um, Yes. I was wondering, what kind of training were you doing regularly before getting that SAS call? Because it was quite obvious that you had a good solid foundation to then build on. Yes. So at the time it was actually COVID and you weren't able to go outside your five kilometers. Mm. Uh, So, and I had my little girl only 10 months uh, before actually going in. So for me at the time when I agreed to go on the show, I honestly was just pushing the pram around uh, pretty much the back streets um, around where I live. And that was pretty much the extent of my exercise leading up to the four weeks of intense training. I'm, I am someone though, who has always loved my fitness. When I was at school, I uh, loved my athletics. I, I was athletics captain. I loved my touch football. I went to state for athletics and state for touch. And it, it was my thing. I actually thought I was always going to go and do something in sport when I left school. Uh, so it kind of just, I've always had that that basics like skills I Mm. guess when it comes to sport and uh even when it comes to training and things like that because ever since I left school I wasn't playing in a lot of like uh teams I did a few touch football teams after school but apart from that it was I was just going to the gym I used to go with my mom I used to train a little bit with Tim even though I didn't really like training with Tim um (laughs) I why didn't you like training with Tim 
Just curious. I think it's just just because he knows so much about it and I'm a little bit stubborn and I feel as though it's it's always everyone always says this when training with their partners they always like for me I just don't really like being told what to do even though I know he knows <laughs> yeah. so much more than I do it's yeah. just like frustrating so I'd prefer to go off and do my own thing and most recently like leading up to um oh whilst I was pregnant I was actually I started doing reformer so that was probably the biggest thing um I was doing uh during my pregnancy and even afterwards until sort of all all the gyms uh got shut down so Mm. I honestly was just pretty much just walking around my neighborhood and then as soon as I knew even before um it was the day before I actually agreed to sign on and I was like, I still didn't know if I was hundred percent sure I was wanting to go on. I started training that day because I was like, if I am like, I cannot waste one single day. And it was like full steam ahead for those four weeks. Like I felt like I was a completely different person. My mindset like was just really focused on SAS and what I had to do because I literally had to do like a 360 with everything that I had been doing when it came to fitness and and the mental side of things. Yeah, because you were in such a different phase in your life. I've seen the photos of you carrying Tim around on your back to do what's called a fireman's yes. carry. Can you tell me more about yes. that training you that you did in more detail? And especially, like you said, if you're in lockdown at the time, you've got to get a bit inventive of how you're going to get that intensity of training yeah so every day was different I wanted to really mix it up and one thing I knew was that I couldn't just do my regular exercise leading up to this I'd seen the shows I I started doing a lot of like mental preps I was reading uh, Ant Middleton's audiobooks I I listened to a David Goggins uh, audiobook I was watching all the different SAS series I tried to download all the ones in the UK just to see what was going to happen and whether or not I love to prepare. So if I can prepare uh, the best way possible, then I'd feel uh, at ease going into it. So I made sure every time I saw a challenge, um, and this is probably more so Tim, because if I, like I knew that there were ice challenges in there, but I don't think if Tim wasn't there to sort of push me, um, I don't think I would have been doing ice bars um, on my own. So he kind of created almost a plan of what we're going to do and mimic everything that we had actually seen on the show prior. So certain things were uh, like the monkey bars. So we went down to the kids' playground and we were doing a lot of the monkey bars and we are doing a lot of grip training. I got a bar um, which was just like in our doorway, so I would just hang off that to get some better grip training but also doing pull-ups on there. Every night I was either doing like a certain number of push-ups and sit-ups in front of the TV and then I would start carrying my husband around the house and it kind of every so often I'll just start doing that again and I think with that everybody thinks it's it's hard and yes it is really hard because you're carrying someone else's weight but it also comes down to the technique which is why I was so grateful to have my husband because with all these different things that I did he told me the best technique to use. So mm. we also went to the park and I, I, I got my parents to look after Elle. They were all watching and I was doing tackling training with Tim and he was just teaching me the best ways to go about it. And I didn't even know that tackling was going to be in it, uh, but we just tried to prepare in that way. And I think some of the people at the park were just probably like, what is this woman doing? <laughs> like I'm pretty much like tackling my <laughs> husband. Then we get on the boxing gloves and it's not the traditional boxing that you see in the park when people are are doing like 
it for fitness. This was more like getting the technique and being able to like protect my face and all these sorts of things. So I'm just very, very grateful to have Tim who could kind of show me the way. And it was the first time I'd ever listened to him when it came to training. And I just had to put my ego aside and, and listen to what he had to say because he knew a lot more than I did. Yeah, so handy. He became your strength yeah. and conditioning coach, basically. Exactly. So curious, exactly. how much does Tim weigh? When- oh, God, I don't even know. I <laughs> I'm going to say something and it's going to be like (laughs) way off. I think it would be around 90 kilos. I think it could be 92. Uh, Look, I'm, yeah, I don't know, to be honest. (laughs) You might be offended by the number that comes out of your mouth. I know. I'm a bit worried. (laughs) Look, I'm going to say that. Yeah. I'm going to say like 92. I'll check in with him later. Okay. <laughs> we can add it to the show notes if it's a, if it's a different yeah, number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's probably like 200. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just good to like give people an idea of like how much yeah. weight you're actually carrying around. And a great point too about technique because I think that advice yeah. isn't just for, say, training for SAS but – training in the gym in general if you have the technique right you can serve more energy which you can then go into doing the moves better and getting oh, more oh, out totally. of the exercises and, and everything that we did on there I had to like kind of bring it back to certain things that I'd learned prior to going in there and some of the things were literally just calming yourself down mm. and and breathing and what you don't see a lot of the time is we're just sitting either like behind a tree, not knowing what's about to go on. And then they call your number and to get your adrenaline going, they want you to run from point A to B and then aunt or whoever's there will tell you what's about to happen. And at that moment, every time that I went from point A to B and I was speaking to aunt, I made sure like in my mind, I was calming everything down to then I can then like just approach it the best way because if you're all hyped up and and you're on edge and it, it just doesn't help at all so I made sure with breathing I was trying to breathe as best as I could um, and also one thing I don't know if you've ever listened to Ant's audios but uh, he he basically says he talks about this fear bubble mm. there's so many things that we're going to fear in our life but only get into that headspace once you're there as opposed to thinking about it for days and weeks leading up to that because then you get into that you do whatever you have to do and then you get out of that and you put it aside I know it's easier said than done but a lot of the times uh, probably the first half of SAS uh, we were trying to anticipate everything that was to come yeah. and it was really using a lot of energy and it was draining us and it was it was really getting to us and one of the DSs said anticipation is worse than participation and it was so true because once we got through what we had to get through it was never as bad as what we thought it was going to be or or we always thought in our mind we weren't we're not going to be able to do something but in fact you actually can so it's kind of getting rid of all that prior and just getting within this one bubble doing the task and getting out of it so it sounds like you did a lot of mindset prep aside from that fear bubble what was something else that that you took in with you to SAS? So, yeah, one of the things that you may not have seen was me, uh, well, you didn't see because it wasn't shown, but you saw when I was under the helicopter with the ladder and I was with Darius and we we were the last one, no, we were the second last ones to do it. And Darius and I, we did it um, and we were so happy, but 
What you didn't see was actually I had to do it again for the second time and I had to do it with Melissa Wu and my fingers uh, were all blistered and I was so, like I was pretty exhausted from doing it once. Like it was hard enough doing yeah. it once. And the one thing I was like, I, I'm happy to do it again. I just don't want to let down Melissa because I know this is kind of her thing. Like she'd be like at ease doing this. So I was just like freaking out and anyway, ended up doing it. And that was sort of that moment where I was like, wow, like I can actually do this and I'm, I'm doing a really bloody good job to be honest. So it's like those moments in there. And then, and then all of a sudden, like the next day, you're not doing as well because yeah. you're not as strong as some others and you're doing uh, the, I think next one was like the stretcher challenge and, and that I really struggled in that and I could see my weaknesses, but with this whole show and everything you do, it's how you overcome the failures and how you move on to then be able to get towards the end. And it was interesting because I was speaking to Merrick and Sabrina who were on the, the first series uh, and one thing that they said which I didn't have was that ability to see myself at the end and they both said that they could see themselves right at the end, whereas I, I even all the way through when I, I knew how capable I was, I still couldn't visualise myself at the end because mm. I still had that self-doubt. So it's always going to be sort of a, a work in progress for me where I've, I've gained so much from this experience and I, I'm now using it um, every single day. However, like there's certain things I still want to work on when it comes to confidence and, and believing in myself. But it's always like any advice that I can give anyone is about just putting yourself out, outside your comfort zone, uh, whether or not you're able to do something or not. It's, it's what you learn from the experience. Yeah. And speaking of experience that, you know, how you said that you couldn't visualize yourself at the end, but then I guess that again would come down to you doing more things like this to then being able to say, Hey, I think, I think I can do it. It's like, it's exactly, it's something that builds over time. Exactly. And there are a lot of Olympians in, in the course and all of them, can visualize themselves towards the end or even when it comes to any sport that they're doing and competing in, they will visualize themselves winning. And Mm. it's probably something they've learned over time. Yeah, that's where I felt that they had that competitive edge, um, mental competitive edge, I guess. It sounds like you did all right anyway. <laughs> I know. I, I know. I was, I, honestly, some people ask me how I did it and there are times where I was like, I just don't even know. Like I actually don't know how I got <laughs> I was I was 11 days out of 13 and I watched yeah. um, the 12th day and some of the things that they were doing, I was just like, oh, I don't know if I could do that. But then at the same time, I think if I'd watched this season, I probably would have said that every single day watching it. Yeah. So you've got to kind of like turn that around and go, you know what, you probably could have done that. And you had to do one thing twice. So there you go. I know. I know. I know. I'm very proud. I wish they showed it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So back to your training for SAS and we're talking about how you were about 10 months postpartum. How did you make sure that you were looking after your body? Because it was quite, like you said, the the 180 from pushing your pram along to then training for this show? Yes. So I I made sure I spoke to my obstetrician and sort of got the all clear with it. But I think at that stage, I I was totally fine to do absolutely anything and, and push my body in that way. 
I may have been pushing the pram around, but I felt like I was, I don't know, I, I was quite active anyway. Um, so I, I think it's about just also knowing your body and um, how far you can push your body. What fascinated me was from the moment I started training where I was doing certain things, sort of walking with my 20 kilo backpack, I was I was doing runs um, to Watson's Bay. I, there was all these different things I was doing. And by week two of the training, I just saw such a big transformation within that time. I, it was quite interesting to show that when you do put in that time and, and you dedicate yourself to something like training in that way, like you could completely change. Like you can be a totally different person. Like from walking with a 20 kilo backpack the first week from like running up and down hills for 40 minutes with a 20 kilo backpack, which I thought at the time when I first started wasn't possible. And then you're like, no, you, it is possible. And a lot of these things are actually really possible, but we write ourselves off from the beginning. Yeah. And one thing my husband would hate me saying is I can't do this. I can't do this. And I'd say it quite a lot. And he'd be <laughs> like, you can, and they do it. And I'm like, oh, wait, I can. Why did I say that? Yeah. So it's really interesting because I know a lot of people would look at that and they do look at SAS and they say, I could never do that. And I was like, I was in your position too. And I said that as well, but Hey, look at me, I can do it. And I'm sure you can too. And what about sleep while Elle was still so little? I mean, you've launched a new sleep aid with your new business into wellness, which yes. we'll get into later. Yes. Um, and I was reading that one reason you guys started it with co-founder Christy Whitehill is that yeah. you both know what it's like being mums and business women who aren't getting enough sleep. And I know from my own experience when I was postpartum around that, I wasn't getting much sleep at all and I found the sleep deprivation hard to then get into a proper fitness routine. So I was just wondering how you yeah. balanced all of that. So... For me, it was at that time, and I don't like saying it, but Elle was quite a good sleeper. So she oh, was no, actually you were one of the, you, you're so lucky. I know. <laughs> I'm one of those people, really annoying. <laughs> I don't. I think it's just her. I think we we tried to get into a really good routine at the beginning, and I think that was a combination of just her being her. Yeah. Um, because I've got other friends who who kids slept really well and then their second kids don't, but they're doing the exact same thing. So yeah. we were just really lucky at that time she was see- sleeping through the night. And even now there's days, I really shouldn't say this, but no, you like, should I see earlier than he does. No um, way. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel really guilty, yeah. but it's, my my baby got up been, twice last night. Oh really? Oh oh sorry. Yeah, That's I don't right. know. <laughs> it's, I just think it's it's yeah. Every kid is different, yeah. and very lucky in that way. But at the same time, we knew what we had to do in these four weeks, and mm. I made sure that I could do everything possible, and my husband was there to support me. So if I needed him to take the reins with, with L, he knew that I had four weeks, I had to give it my all. But some of my training, like I would do maybe two sessions a day and then yeah. I would even go for a run at 11 o'clock at night in my boots and my backpack. Because of where I live, I like there's so many people always around that I felt pretty uncomfortable running around the streets with my backpack and, and my boots during the day. So I, I like to do it at night when it was mm. really dark and no one could see. But then I think people got scared when I started running up behind them. Because <laughs> I was yeah. in the backpack, big boots, <laughs> stomping everywhere so but it was that was the best and then look it's all about for me now it's just all about juggling 
as best as you possibly can. Like a lot of people work and they've got kids and they've got other uh, other things that are going on and it's just trying to get the best balance and equally give your time to all of them or whatever you think needs more time. You prioritise but it's just I've, I'm really lucky with Tim where he is – someone who if I need him to be there and I've got to go off and do things, he'll be there as well. So I was lucky I had Tim at the time. Um, but yeah, sleep has like, for me, it's just been the most important thing. And I, I think it's only, it was only when I was actually pregnant that it became probably the most important thing to me. Cause I, I started not having like the best night's sleep whilst I was pregnant. Yeah. Uh, which then is why basically we, pretty much started the brand of, I, I spoke to my obstetrician, he recommend, re- recommended magnesium. And as soon as I got on that, pretty much for like maybe two and a bit years, I've almost had magnesium every single night. Mm. Uh, and then also just back on to SAS, uh, just as a side note, we had Jeff Hugel and Lockie Gilbert who both snored. Jeff Hugel was horrendous, like snoring. <laughs> and I don't know why they didn't show it because it drove everybody up the wall oh, and God. we were like you don't get much sleep in there yeah and then for Jeff Hugel to snore and he, he's asleep he just fell asleep and then we were up I had tissues toilet paper in my ears to use as earplugs and had like blankets over my head everything possible because like you can't function without sleep no and, and that's one of the reasons again with our product it was like that that knock-on effect of of not having a good night's sleep when it comes to like everything. It's like your skin. It's the way you um, work out. It's how you interact with your friends and family. Like you're not going to be in a good mood if you don't have a good night's sleep. So, and on SAS, it, there was one night where I was just, aunt came in and said, okay, I'm not going to wake you up tonight. So have a good night's sleep. And, I, and I'd heard that if he came in and said that, he, he was legit. He's okay. not going to wake you up. So I was like, great. I'm going to get the best night's sleep ever. Anyway, Jeff, Lockie, everyone was snoring. I had a I had a um, broom next to me where I poked Lockie to like wake him up when he would snore. <laughs> and then there was, I literally one night sat outside the toilets and I just cried because I was like, I how am I meant to get up yeah. and do what we've been doing and I've had no sleep. Like, yeah. And it was day after day after day. So yeah, very difficult. <laughs> yeah, they should show that. That that's like intense sleep huh. deprivation caused by snoring. Exactly. And yeah. Do you know how many things they didn't show? Like there was so after the fire, uh, we got lit on fire on the first day. I was kind of like love saying that. We did a <laughs> intense beasting, and we're all in our underwear. We we're crawling on the gravel, like up a hill. Like we got scratches, bruises all over us from this beasting, and it went on for like half an hour. Then we had to go back, and then we did the plane thing. Then at night, we had what was called watchtower. Mm. So we all it was like a schedule where everyone had to like they had an hour to get up in the middle of the night with someone else and go up on the tower and watch for any movement. And so literally people would be getting up at two o'clock in the morning, two to three to go stand on a tower to watch if there were the trees were rustling. Like it was just that next level of where like sleep deprivation and kind of getting and eating at you that you don't see. So what you do see is probably a fraction of what's actually happening. So what breathing exercises were you using when you were trying to focus on your breath to, to calm yourself? There was nothing, nothing in particular, to be honest. It yep. was just trying to slow it down. Okay. So like when you have to run, you're like 
your um, heart's beating really quickly. You're like, you're in a different state of mind to when you're relaxed. So it was kind of like getting like, just pretty much calming everything down to sort of like then listen to what you're about to do and then go in it where you're not all hyped up and tense. So it wasn't, there was nothing in particular. It was just very like just calming, like my breath down and just, and relaxing and not being all hyped from that run. Now you touched on this earlier, but I was wondering Mm -hmm. if you could go into more detail about how this experience on SAS has affected how you approach your business or just life in general. What have you learned? So one of the reasons why I went on was to sort of get that self-belief and that confidence in me that I can do things. And even I started my business, working my business over a year and a half ago. So I had never had the intention of going into SAS. Uh, however, the opportunity when the opportunity arose, it was I wanted to go in there with the right intentions and it was to change something that I didn't like about myself and it was that like it was all about self-belief and confidence that I didn't really have. And I'm, I'm confident in certain things, mm. uh, but a lot of the things I'm not. And I always go into things thinking the worst and hoping for the best. So for me, even when it came to like my business, I, at the beginning, I was like, why, like, like, should I even start this business? Why is anyone going to buy anything from me? I just had that self-doubt and I've never really created anything because I was too worried. Firstly, what people are going to think. And, and then also just, I just didn't believe in myself to start something. So it was, and I also didn't, there was nothing right. It wasn't like, I'm just going to start something for the fun of it. I wanted to gain that self-confidence and be able to bring that um, outside with me and use it. And even little things like being on podcasts, I didn't really like going on them. I think last year I probably did one or two at, at most because I just thought, why would anyone really want to listen to what I have to say? So I, I didn't really do it. And then this year I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a lot more. I'm going to be more open to opportunities and I'm going to push myself because I know good things happen when you put yourself out of your comfort zone. Mm. So I've definitely, I've definitely gained more confidence in my ability. Uh, and with starting the business and it's like, it's actually helped like tenfold. Like I, I can't even tell you how, like my business partner, she's very confident in things. So she's an entrepreneur. So she has a totally different mindset to me. And so we kind of, I bring her down. She brings me up a bit where we can kind of meet in the middle. So it's a really good match, Mm. but it's definitely helped in, in my mind when starting a business. I think a lot of people would be surprised that you didn't have a lot of confidence in certain areas because from the outside, you look quite confident. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. One of the things that, not funny, but like, it's interesting that all the messages I've gotten, whether it's from men, whether it's from women, so many people have that negative mindset and they don't have that self-belief. And a lot of people say, oh, probably not a lot of people know that I don't also have confidence. And it's been great to see someone like you, who I guess all the odds were against you, but you're able to get so far in something like SAS. And it was really nice that I've affected them in some way, um, in a positive way. But I also realize that there are so many people out there and that are in a similar position to me. And also that sort of imposter syndrome, like where Mm. you feel like you're doing things, but you don't feel like you're good enough. And should you really be there? I guess people might think I'm confident, but I also am not 
someone who I don't put everything out there for everybody to know. Like I've got my social media, which is just a fraction of my life and it's always going to be the best part of it. Uh, but like I, I'm confident in certain things and I just, I do now try and put myself out of my comfort zone. And I think that that was probably the hardest thing. And I've actually, why I'm so grateful for being with someone like Tim, who, who allows me to, or pushes me to get out of that, that kind of comfort. And even with, when it came to my law career, I, if I had never met Tim, I felt like I probably would have stayed in law, been at the same firm, never kind of ventured out, never tried, tried to do anything else. Cause I really just, I felt at ease. Uh, so it's nice to be able to like get out and, and do something different and, and then grow and find things that I actually really love doing. Yeah. I've just been imagining now, like, and in an alternate reality where you didn't go on the bachelor, like you'd be yeah. in a law firm right now, rather than talking about your experience on SAS and your new company. Exactly. And even with law, it's not even something that I I was never really passionate about where I was like, I want to go do law. Like this is what I'm bound to do. I fell into it and it was almost like I was just stuck in it to it, like to a degree. I thought it was going to be a stepping stone to where I wanted to go, even though I didn't know where I wanted to go. But then once I got the job, it was kind of like, okay, well, I've got a job. I feel really lucky to have a job. So I'm going to yeah sit here and just, and this is going to be my life. But thankfully one of my girlfriends, when it came to the bachelor, she's the one that kind of pushed me to go on The Bachelor and pretty much signed me up. And I also think if it wasn't for her, then I also wouldn't have gone on The Bachelor. So I need other people to kind of push me. But when they do, like it, you just benefit in so many different ways where you never thought you would. Yeah. And I think that's an awesome takeaway too about, you know, surrounding yourself with the people that can get the most out of you. It, it can exactly. be a life changer as in your experience. Exactly. And I think that's one of the things that I've always said is like, you want to surround yourself with positive, uplifting people because they will definitely rub off on you. And, uh, and my husband and my certain, and certain friends are exactly that. They're just rubbing off on me in a really positive way. And then hopefully then I can, I can do the same. So let's talk about into wellness. What compelled you to start your business? So it started on a walk with a girlfriend. So I've known Christy for eight years or so. And it was just one day I was pregnant. She has two kids and we're talking about the lack of sleep we're having, like most moms, busy women out there, and probably a lot of men as well. From that conversation, sort of Into Wellness was born, where it was it was something that wasn't, like we felt that we didn't see out there, where it was a combination of what we thought was the most important thing, um, which is sleep. And it, there's there's a lot of magnesium out there, but mm. it's not um, combined with something like collagen and astaxanthin, which is a hero ingredient that we have in there, which all, all, also targets skin and it's an antioxidant, which is 65 times stronger than vitamin C. Um, it's also an anti-inflammatory. So we did our research and it took quite a while, it took a number of months. And then when we knew exactly what we wanted, we went and spoke to someone, uh, a formulator who has a PhD. He's a PhD naturopath. Because a lot of the times, I don't know if you take supplements, but you'll take different ones. You'll, you'll buy maybe a magnesium, you, you might buy your collagen and then you've got to take them at different times. You don't know what you can take all at once, yeah. uh, which was a big thing for us and from the women we spoke to. And one thing that it was sort of like the cost, 
Um, obviously it's quite expensive buying lots of different things separately, um, but also knowing what you can take and forgetting a lot of the times what to take. So they're the things that we really focused on. And like for us, because sleep is so important, I think some people just forget about it. So they might go, okay, I had a really bad sleep. What can I take now to boost my energy or yeah. or to make my skin look good? And I, I use creams. Um, I use all those things, but you've got to kind of get back to the core of the issue. And a lot of the time it comes back to not having a good night's sleep and the, and the knock-on effect of not having a good night's sleep. A lot of people talk about morning routines and how important they are, but a big part of having a successful morning routine is having a really good sleep routine. Exactly. And there's, I don't know if you've um, heard of Matthew Walker, but he, he does um, a masterclass. There's a thing called masterclass and they have the best, um, the best in the biz talking about certain areas. And he talks about sleep and he just, he gave this example of like, you can, if you have a really bad night's sleep and you go do a workout in the morning versus having a really good night's sleep and you also go do a workout in the morning, your body reacts differently to that mm. workout once if you've had a good night's sleep. So you're like functioning and your body is going to, I don't know, it's just going to be so much better once you've had that good night's sleep and you could be doing the exact same exercise, but it just shows how differently your body reacts. And so I think that just comes down to basically everything though. What are some of your other well-being non-negotiables? Because sleep is definitely one of them, getting good sleep. Yeah. Sleep is, yes, sleep, very important. Nutrition, uh, very important. Uh, Staying hydrated, very important. But probably another thing that is equally as important is just taking time for yourself. And for me, I've been extremely busy with everything going on uh, the last sort of, God, months. Um, And then last weekend, I just had a really chilled weekend with the family, with my in-laws. It was great. It was so just chilled. I didn't have to worry about work or anything. And I was a different person on Monday. I was like way more happy, confident, ready to take on the week as opposed to the weeks before that where every day it was just like Groundhog Day and I, I just didn't feel like I was giving it my all. But just having that downtime over the weekend really affected who I was and my mood and everything. And I just went into it with a totally different mindset so it's always about taking that time equally as important like as working it's like you've got to just know you know the line to draw and the balance that you need and for me it just it just kind of shows because yeah I was a totally different person on that Monday it's hard to step away I think for especially if you're Mm -hmm. running your own business because you feel like there's always so much to do the task would be never ending but I I'm totally hear what you're saying about taking a rest because I just did the same. My husband and I went on a week away to Crumbin Valley. We went to Eden Health Retreat. Oh, how nice. Minus the baby, even though we missed her so much. We also loved getting sleep, proper sleep for the first time in ages. And I came back on on Monday, like totally different person. <laughs> and you're probably a better mum for it. So you can't feel guilty. And I know we all feel guilty and I felt guilty, that mum guilt. But I also am like, if you are constantly with them as well, like every mm. single second of the day, like you're not going to be your best self. Like you need that time away to have time for yourself. And yeah, and you just can't feel guilty about it. And I know, I know we all do, but at the same time, like you're a new person. Yeah. So you mentioned nutrition as one of your well-being non-negotiables. Can you talk, uh, tell me what your approach to nutrition is like? 
I guess like in life, it's just about balance. I don't have a set like schedule of what I eat every single day. I, whatever is there pretty much, but I always try to make sort of the best and healthiest options um, I possibly can. So it's, and it doesn't always work like that. Like I'm, I'm not strict. I'm not someone who doesn't eat bread. I'm not someone who doesn't drink alcohol. Like I'm just think really balanced and I know my body and I try and if I know I haven't eaten well maybe for a couple of days or a week I'm like okay I'm going to eat a little bit better because I know I'm going to feel better if I'm eating better so I'm really not strict when it comes to that things and uh, and neither is Tim and it's funny because I always say like people ask whether or not he eats ice cream or eats chocolate and all this sort of stuff I'm like, he eats ice cream every single night like we eat chocolate pretty much every day but yeah. it's also in moderation we're not eating yeah. two blocks every night or anything like that and we've probably had a healthy lunch or a healthy dinner and and we don't beat ourselves up over it as well like if we have something that's not considered really healthy like we don't really care because we know that generally speaking we're going to be eating well and I think that's a good approach to have because like we just don't want to be stressed about food and what sort of food foods we eat I guess you've got to be just mindful of what's in certain foods and be sort of educate yourself as well in what's good and what's bad so you know if like you're having what if you think yogurt's great and I'm sure it is in certain instances or like low-fat yogurt just say like that I remember thinking I'm always going to eat low-fat yogurt because that's way way better and then as as I gradually got to know food a bit better I was like hey well I'm not going to be eating low-fat yogurt all day every day um so things like that I think it's just being aware of what's in certain foods and taking the time to to get to know them a bit better. But I just don't think you need to be too strict and it's always like in moderation. But then again, saying that, that's my approach and it, it might not work for everybody. Because I one of my girlfriends, I remember she said that her sister, her sister was really slim, but like all she would eat is chocolate all day, every day. Like mm-hmm. that was her, that was her diet. And I'm like, well, that can't be too healthy, but look, maybe it works for her. Yeah. Each <laughs> so, their own. Yeah. And what about your training these days? I assume you're not training as um, intensely oh, as you were to no, um, preparing for SAS. No, and I never will again. Like that was just a next level where I don't feel like I need to do that. I know what's possible if if you have something to work towards, but that's just for me. It's not even like it's not even possible to do that now. I'm I. I haven't even worked out for a couple of weeks. I'm like, and normally I work out two, three times a week and I'd be happy with that. But because of the launch of the business and everything Mm. and it's just almost been impossible. And my husband's now in uh, Melbourne. He's working in Melbourne. So it's it's literally just been non-existent. But I I always like try and do something, whether it's a walk um, and that that can be my exercise. But I, I would love to get back to reforma and do that a good two, three times a week. Um, I just need to find the time. Yeah. Well, you basically birthed another baby into the world, your business baby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So it's, and I, that's the thing, I can't be too hard on myself. I no. would really like to. And, and now that it's sort of like relaxed a bit because we've done the launch and everything, then I've just got, I've got to find time. Like I've said, I've just you've got to find time for yourself. So anyway, it will happen. <laughs> What's the one thing or one piece of advice you've come across in the last year or so that's made the biggest impact on your life? Uh, I'm 
I've got one, but I always sort of say that like for me when it comes to advice, it's so easy to say things. It's all about, but it's actually about doing things. And and when people ask me about advice my parents would give me, I'm like, I can't remember certain things that they've said, but I've seen how they are, seen their actions, and I think that speaks so much louder than words as they say. Uh, however, one thing I guess leading up to SAS uh, was if you want to become a winner, you've got to think like a winner and know uh, and know what a winner believes. I think it's I think that's how it goes. <laughs> it's something it's something like yeah. that, but it's about, it's about believing yourself about believing yourself that you are a winner and kind of knowing what they be, believe before you can actually win. And that was all about that sort of winning mentality, where it's like which I felt like I didn't have so much going into SAS, but I felt like as time went on, I believed in myself more. And I guess this is where reading books like David Goggins and Ant's books really helped because then you can read about how exactly. Yeah. And then, but for me, it's more about like even that um, with David Goggins running on two broken legs, like that to me almost says more than sort of these, I don't know, different quotes and, and, different pieces of advice and things like that you you see it and you like it's just so it's mind-blowing and it Mm. shows what he's capable of whether or not you would do that uh but it shows what your body and and your mind um are actually capable of I guess it's like seeing or reading about experiences like his you think okay so I'd never go that to that extreme in my life but what is there in my life that I could do that I think I can't but you know exactly it's a possibility and there's so many people that are just like including me that was like I can't I can't I can't I can't I can't and it's like you're only saying you can't because you believe you can't but you actually can uh so and even like the things that I think or I used to think is like I'll I'll drive somewhere I'm like I'm not going to find a park I'm not going to find a park in my (laughs) mind I think that before I've even gotten there to even look for a park which just seems so silly but like it's I think it's just my family as well. Like we all think really negatively. It's Mm. like you think the worst and hope for the best, basically. That's like my whole, I think I've just grown up in that environment. So, which is nice to kind of then be with someone like Tim, who's a lot more positive in, in his approach to life. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take on that. I think that's a more healthy, healthy approach. Okay. Final question. Yes. When Elle is older, what do you hope Mm -hmm. that she'll be proud of learning from you? I hope she, and I know I've gone on about this, but I hope she just sees her mum probably in a different light. If I if I show her something like SAS and she, um, it's probably something quite different to what she sees in everyday life, but it just shows how much when you put your mind to something, how possible things are. And you really can, when all the odds are against, you really can you can go the distance and and you can really be anyone you almost want to be and it's one of those old sayings but it's kind of true like and I think even now people think oh I won't be able to do that because of certain things but like you really can so I hope she sees that and I hope she's um she has sort of the strength in herself and the confidence in herself and one of the other things going into it, I wanted to make sure I really believed in who I was and had that confidence to then instill that into her. So then she has that because I didn't want to be a mum to just say all these things to her, but I actually didn't even believe in those things um, to be, say, be confident, be strong, be an independent mm. woman, all those things. But whereas I, 
I didn't really believe in myself that I was those things. So that was really important that I can I can be those to then instill it in those and that she can see that in me and then also just make up her own mind when things when things come along. Like if she wants to do something, but also do something that you don't think you can and, and put yourself out there. Yeah. And prove yourself wrong. That was a really long-winded answer to the question. No, that's no, it's great. Um, Just curious, did you end up finding a solution to the Jeff Hugel snoring situation or did you just have to (laughs) write off sleep completely? Um, Apart from, so with Lockie, who was right next to me, I had a broom. Oh, yeah, that's right. To wake him up. Jeff. Uh, no, I just had the uh, toilet paper in my ears, the blankets over my head, and then there were nights where nothing nothing worked, so I just bawled my eyes out. So, oh, yeah. God. No, he just had great night's sleeps and we all didn't. <laughs> well, lucky <Thanks> Jeff. Jeff. <laughs> exactly. And right. was like, wake up, Jeff. Yeah. said that multiple, multiple times. Oh, God. Well, thank you so much, Anna. I really enjoyed chatting with you today. No, thank you. Nice to chat to you. This episode of Uninterrupted was hosted and produced by me, Lisa Gebelagen. For more from us, pick up a copy of our latest issue with Anna Heinrich on the cover. Find it on newsstands or online via Apple News Plus. Visit us at womenshealth.com.au and follow us on Instagram at womenshealthaus. See you next time.